Welcome to the Watershed Podcast. Watershed is the senior high ministry of Perimeter Church, where it is our desire to serve senior high students and their families by helping them navigate life in the changing world around them. Listen and be encouraged. You made it to the Guys Only Seminar. Congratulations, you found your way. This is called Real Men for Jesus. Like that, that commercial. Real Men of Jesus. Yeah, no, anyways. So I'm David Rhodes. Um, I play baseball and football. I've grown up at a little private Christian school, like 20 minutes away, big rivals with my boy Will Moody, Wesleyan. Actually, we just got a football team, you should not know that. Enough small talk. All right, let me pray, and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, God, and I thank you um, for these guys and for this opportunity that I have. God, I pray that you'd speak through me and use me today, and um, that it would not be my words, but your words, God, and I pray that um, we will leave change today, convict us to stay changed and not just leave... Um, in a casual manner, God, and um, thank you for sending your son down the cross, and in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so one of my favorite movies is Talladega Nights, so we got to get a clip in here somewhere. So we're just going to start with it. We'll get it going. So just as all these different characters had all these different views of Jesus, um, some of them more wrong than others, I don't think Jesus would sing Leonard, Skipper, Leonard Skinner, but that's just personal opinion, sorry. Um, but anyways, just as all these different characters have different views of Jesus, um, the world has so many different views of Christianity and what it means to be a Christian guy. And so often I think we get put on as this like lame group of nice little boring kids who walk around and pick up trash and hold the door for everyone. Not that there's anything wrong with those, but I mean, when you picture the ideal church kid, is that really what we're called to be? If you think back about Jesus and if we're created like Jesus, um, in the Old Testament, he was walking down, remember on Palm Sunday on the donkey, he's walking down there singing Hosanna, Hosanna, and he gets to the temple and he walks up the stairs he looks over at the money changers, he's doing all the sacrifices, and they're just ripping people off, selling doves. And he goes into Hulk mode, runs over, flips the tables. He's like freaking out at him. Um, is that a safe, nice Jesus? I don't think so. How many of you have seen Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe? Yeah, all right. So remember the scene in it when Lucy, the one who discovered the enchanted forest, is out there, and they're at Mr. Beaver's house, and um, they're going to go meet Aslan. And Lucy's like, well, is he safe? And Mr. Beaver like looks at her and laughs. He's like, he's not safe, but he is good. And that's so true about God. And if we're creating his image, we're not necessarily called to be safe little inside the box guys. We're called to be so much more than that because we serve a safe, not a safe God, but a good God. So if being a Christian isn't about running around flipping tables and then telling people you've got a WWJD so you can do it, because that's what Jesus did. Um, if that's not what it's about, then what's it about? Um, there's a video that I'm going to show again because I just like videos, but um, it's about sort of this difference between religion and Christianity, and religion sort of racks up as all the rules, like going to church makes you a Christian, not doing the wrong things, all this different stuff, and that's not what Christianity is about, it's about this personal relationship, so we'll watch this video, which I think sort of hits home that point. All right, um, I love the way this video sort of puts in perspective who, or like what the situation is here, like Christianity, I get feel so often, is about this whole idea of dressing up the outside. And it sort of hits home. You're not, you're not spraying perfume on a corpse. It's not behavior modification that makes you a Christian. It's not doing the right things or not doing the wrong things that makes you a Christian. It's this total change in who you are. And um, that's important to understand as we sort of talk about what it looks like to be a Christian guy, that it's not about not looking at pornography or not drinking um, that makes you a Christian or makes you a good kid because we're not, we're not perfect at all. Like James talked about last night, there's that radar. And no matter how many times you get rid of one set of sins, there's still, there's still more things that you can improve on, so that's that. 
So as far as being a Christian guy in 2012, um, like when you go back to high school or college, I don't know where, what age y'all are, but um, anyways, it's important to understand that there is an enemy and he is out to get you and Satan is all over you. First Peter 5.8 says, um, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking for someone to devour. If you think about a lion, dude, they're, they're kick butt. They're huge, they're strong, they have no natural predators, um, and if it was just me by myself against the lion, I'm lunch. But, I mean, thanks to technology, obviously, we can kill lions now. That's not a big deal anymore. But um, my point is, we can, if we think we can go at, at the devil and at the enemy with all his temptations and stuff alone, he's just going to eat you up. And we need help, outside help, um, just like if we were going at a real lion. Not that any of y'all are ever going to do that. Actually, all right, small sidetrack. My brother went to Tanzania on a mission trip last year, and they went and served in this Maasai village. And to be a man, considered a man in their village, you had to kill a lion um, with a spear. Sick. And my brother met a guy that had actually done it. They're, they're men. Those guys are ridiculous. I would never kill a lion. That's, I'm scared of them. Just kidding. No. I'm a real man of Jesus. No. It's okay to laugh. Y'all are like, oh, this is so boring. I'm just kidding. No. All right. Anyways, we'll jump in. Um, so one of Satan's biggest, biggest ways to tempt us is this idea of peer pressure and these lies that he'll throw at, he'll throw at us. Like, I'm not good enough. I would be cooler if I did so-and-so. I would, or X, Y, Z, not so-and-so. Um, people would like me if she, she would date me if, or all these different things. Um, and so Satan uses these lies to get in our head and to sort of just work at us to like, change our idea and tempt us to do different things. So last night, like James talked about, um, there's always going to be this tension between good and evil. There's always going to be this tension that Satan's after us um, to tempt us because he doesn't like anything that we're about. It doesn't matter if you walk through that door hating everything about Christianity, Satan wants you there. If you walk through the door thinking that you know all the answers um, or if you've got a true personal relationship, I don't know where you guys are at spiritually. Um, but no matter where you are, Satan's out to get you because he doesn't want anything to do. He don't want you to do anything that would further the kingdom. So he's got these temptations. As far as guys, um, the temptations that we think of that are big ones are like drinking, sex, porn, lust, um, cussing, all these different things. And when you think about that, oh, that actually kind of hurt. <laughs> um, when you think about that, like those might necessarily be like the inside radar that we talked about last night with James. Um, so as far as me, when I was growing up at the church, I always knew that drinking and sex and stuff was wrong. But when I got to high school, it started to like tick in my head, like, why are these things actually wrong? What's so bad about like looking at porn if no one ever finds out about it? What's so bad about drinking if, I mean, it's not going to carry over into outside of my life. It's just for fun. Or like me, me and my girlfriend don't have sex that often. Um, like, what's the big deal about that? It's just for fun. We're not, we're not involved. Like, it's not going to emotionally attach us more than like an unhealthy amount, like what's the big deal about all these things? Um, so we're just going to go through a sort of like past the Bible says drinking is wrong, so don't do it, um, like sort of in depth why, like what's actually wrong with these things. So as far as drinking goes, obviously none of us are 21, so we've got to abide by the government, and it's illegal. But once you hit 21, you got this choice to drink. What does the Bible say about drinking? The Bible never condemns drinking. There's nothing wrong with drinking. Um, and, like, Jesus even turned water into wine, so obviously Jesus isn't someone who's going to condemn drinking. But what the Bible does condemn is drunkenness, and there's a difference between drinking and drunkenness. Once you're drunk, obviously you're intoxicated. 
you get that high that the world is like, oh, this is so cool to be drunk. It makes you so popular, all this different stuff. Um, but at the same time, when you're intoxicated, your, your view of God is distorted, and um, it can cause many different scenarios to happen. Basically, no good comes from it, and it's sort of a witness thing. Um, if you call yourself a Christian, and then you're out getting hammered, like don't, those don't really match up. So as far as drinking goes, A, it's illegal, so for now, it doesn't even matter. Um, but once you get of that age where you can drink, like there's still that, there's still that um, decision between drink, just drinking and drunkenness, stuff like that. As far as pornography, lust, premarital sex, all this different stuff, I once heard an illustration about sex, and it goes like this. It says, um, sex is like sod, you know, like grass. In the front yard, in marriage, if the marriage is like front yard, um, it makes perfect sense. Grass is, grass is healthy. It's supposed to be there. Um, it's designed to be there. But if you bring it inside, like well, you wouldn't put sod inside. But if you put sex, or if you put sex inside, if you put, if you put sod like in your living room or something, it might look cool for a few days. Um, maybe you think you'll be better at FIFA because you're playing on grass. I don't know. But um, after a while, it's going to eventually die. It's going to eventually rot um, and all those different kind of things. So where sex is designed to be in marriage, it's healthy, it's great. But as soon as you take it outside into like a premarital relationship um, or an affair if you're married and all that stuff. Anyways, where it's not designed to be, it's unhealthy. That's kind of a good mental image. But why is it actually wrong? Um, If you think back to the old church, like back when Paul was running around saving people, he, uh, the church was referred to as the bride, and then Jesus and like the whole triunion God thing was like, it's a marriage, it's a picture of marriage kind of, and it's a symbolic relationship between that. And so his point is you can't get the benefits of a relationship with God without the commitment of a relationship with God. You can't get the benefits of marriage without the commitment of marriage. So you can't get sex and all these different things outside of marriage without that commitment of it regardless of um, your age or if you don't think it's going to hurt you, all these things. That's, A, it's sin, so God hates it to begin with. But it's also breaking that symbolic, I hate using English terms because I hate English, um, that symbolic picture of marriage. So, and I mean, on top of that, guys are like, we're image-driven. That's just how we're wired. We're wired for sex. And girls are sort of the emotional side, and you can wreck girls emotionally, just hookups, all that stuff. Anyways, so that's sex. That's sort of why that's wrong other than the Bible says sex is wrong. Um, as far as like cussing and degrading stuff goes, Ephesians 4.29, which is on my PowerPoint somewhere. There you go. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Um, this was a big area for me. As far as the first two, like sex and drinking, um, I grew up at Perimeter in this church, and my parents have been really involved, and I grew up in a private Christian school, I was like coming into eighth grade. I remember my first gold rush. I went to the guys only seminar and I was sitting like up front, like where you guys are. And um, the guy was like, so we're going to talk about pornography. And I was like, <gasps> like freaking me out. I was felt so uncomfortable. I like wanted to get up and leave. Um, but as far as like, so the temptations of sex and drinking haven't been as prevalent in my life. Granted, they've still been there. Um, but as far as like cussing and stuff like that goes, that was, that was, that's more personal for me. Because when I, um, obviously I was in high school, I made the varsity baseball team as a younger guy. And, um, that's why I just killed my mic. Um, and so I was on the team. I was kind of smaller. And um, so I wasn't getting a ton of playing time. And I sort of felt like I was on the outside looking in. But all the cool senior guys were all cussing. And they dipped. And 
Um, they were sort of caught up in the drinking scene too. But I was like, I'm never going to do that. Like, I was the most innocent inside-the-box child ever um, coming into baseball. So my first, like, month practicing with them, I was like, ah, I'm not going to cuss. Like, that's not a big deal for me. And then Satan kept pounding me with these lies. You would be cooler if they would like you if. And I was like, no, 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 that's not right. Some of the other guys that came on the team with me as young sort of got caught up in the cussing scene. Um, and then the senior baseball guys, like, jumped on it. They were like, oh, these kids are so cool. And I was still sort of on the outside, and I was like, all right, you know what? Forget this. And Satan kept pounding me with these lies. You'd be cooler if they would like you if. And sure enough, um, I wasn't in a great spot spiritually. I was sort of just, I came to church on Sunday, and that was about my spiritual walk. And I went to a private Christian school, so I had Bible class. But other than that, um, like as far as a personal relationship goes, I was, I thought I was a good kid. I wasn't. Um, so I sort of get caught up in this cussing scene. And now I still have my parents to please. And at, obviously at a private Christian school, there wasn't a whole lot of cussing that went on there. So my whole world of cussing sort of happened on the baseball field. As soon as I stepped off, it sort of went away and whatever. And that's just life. And it sort of went on. I mean, it didn't sort of go on. It went on for a while before it sort of hit me between the eyes how, like, wrong and how it's sort of, like, drinking and sex and all these things are. It's a witness thing. And um, like Ephesians 4.29 says, let no unwholesome talk or degrading talk come out of your mouth. Um. I was really convicted that I would call myself a Christian and put on this facade of being like a really good kid. And then I'd go to the baseball field and cuss and all this stuff. Um, and it was so true for me because I was like, oh, I'm, I mean, cussing's not that bad. I don't use the F word that much. Like, come on, I'm not, I'm not the worst kid out there. All these different things. So Satan was just using all these lies to tempt me. Um, and now, I mean, I've been convicted of it. And I'd love to tell you that I'm perfect now, but I'm not. Every time I kick a ball, like, not every time, but sometimes it slips, stuff like that. So just like James talked about last night with the radar screen, man, once you fix that inside, there's still more stuff. And the inside sins don't ever go away. Um, the inside temptations don't ever go away. There's still that tension. Um, but you eventually learn to grow up and grow past that. So just as far, that's sort of why some of the major sins, and that's not an exhaustive list. There's more temptations like money, um, self-worth, self-image, all these different things. But as far as um, how to get rid of these temptations, just practical reasons like why, um, I had a friend last year who, really sweet girl, really nice girl, grew up um, Christian home, went to school with me, and uh, her two best friends lived in our neighborhood with her. And um, she they did everything together. They went to school together, played volleyball together. And so they were like best friends. And then one of the older sisters, or one of my friend's friends who lived in the neighborhood, this is going to get confusing right now. <laughs> one of my friend's friends who was in the neighborhood, her older sister started to drink. And um, it sort of trickled down the line to my friend's friend. And then it trickled, like, my friend started going to parties with her friend, and they started being exposed to alcohol, and she started drinking all this stuff. She got caught up in this scene. And at the same time, she was still a really sweet girl. Like, it wasn't mean, just really nice. You would never know from the outside. Um, but she was still caught up in the scene. She was like, I don't know why I keep drinking. I don't know why all this is happening to me. Like, I don't want to be drinking, all this different stuff. And... Um, it really um, hit me because she'd kept, she was struggling with like being an alcoholic or she's got alcoholism in her family. And so this was like really tempting for her. And um, she kept, she kept going to parties where there was going to be alcohol expecting not to drink. And I was like, if you keep struggling with drinking, just don't even go close to alcohol. So you don't even have the choice to drink. And so in that situation, avoid setting yourself up for situations where you're going to fail um, set yourself up for like successful situations. 
So if you know that you struggle with drinking and you know that you're going to a party and there's going to be alcohol, don't go to the party. If you know that you always struggle with pornography when you're at home alone, don't get on the internet when you're home alone. Or let's say you have to do a research paper or whatever. Maybe say a quick prayer before you get on the internet. Not that that necessarily will stop you, but I hope you're more convicted that you just talk to God and then you're looking at porn. I don't know what it is for you, um, but get a reliable system that, uh, that sort of helps you out with those different temptations. Because we're guys, we're wired for it. You're never going to get out outside of being sexually wired or um, these temptations of drinking that peer pressure make you cool or cussing, all these different things. Trust me, I was there. I'm a guy. I'm just with y'all um, in these same situations. But at some point, um, if you're like, well, I'll just go to this one party because it'll make me really cool and I don't go to parties often, um, don't, don't even let yourself go to one where you know you might slip up, even though it might make you popular. Because if you're serious about your faith, you might one day um, just have to sacrifice you know what, being cool, and, and that's just, that comes with the territory of being a Christian. Um, so that's sort of like how some different things, and Ecclesiastes 11.9, I don't know if you know anything about Solomon back in the Bible, but he was the richest, wisest man there was, and this, he writes this in Ecclesiastes, Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things God will bring you judgment. Basically, what this verse means is just like, um, we're only teenagers once. It's, high school's fun. I, I'm there. So enjoy it while you're here. But you're also, you can't necessarily pull the, well, I'm just in high school card. Because you're accountable. You know right and wrong. We've all got a conscience, regardless of if you want to admit to it or not. Um, so you, if you're serious about your faith, um, you sort of got to take a step back sometimes and look at it. As far as... Um, why we want to get rid of these temptations, sort of, if you look 30 years down the road at who you want to be when you're 30, you want to be a guy who's an alcoholic or a sex addict who's struggling with all these affairs. If you look around now, um, like, at so many guys that are having affairs, Tiger Woods, like, he's got so much money, all this stuff, he's still struggling with affairs, and all, he wrecked his life, even though he um, had it all together, or it seemed like he had it all together. If you look back in his life, probably when he was a teenager, he struggled with pornography, never or sex, or all these different things, never sort of got over that, because obviously he, didn't, he wasn't a Christian, it didn't matter to him, um, and it ended up wrecking his life. So the reason we want to get rid of these temptations now um, and sort of knock them out of the park and get that first radar screen changed from X's to greens, because um, we're creating our habits now. As teenage guys, the earlier we, we look at, we face these temptations, um, the easier it's going to be. So if you, like, if you look 30 years down the road, do you want to be... If you're anything like me, when I think of like the ideal me at 30, like rich, hot wife, successful, nice cars, like you know the usual like American dream thing. Um, but that's not necessarily the greatest thing. Here I'll show you another video. What? Like this guy makes 60 million dollars a year. He's married to a supermodel. I took a picture of his wife. I didn't take a picture. I found a picture. That's his wife. Like, dude, he's got it together. Let me tell you. He's got money. He's got the wife. He's got three Super Bowl rings. That's more successful than I was even dreaming of. And what does he say in that video? He's like, there's got to be something more. Notice before I said all those different things, rich, successful, all these different things, I never said satisfied. And that's one of the things we have to understand is no matter these temptations, money, hot wives, all these different things, um, they may look cool and they may seem satisfying for the moment. But if we're looking for this world, to this world for satisfaction, we're never going to find it because these things don't satisfy um, what does is Christ and this relationship that we have with him 
There's Matthew 6.24. Um, Matthew 6.24, no one can serve two masters, for he either hate one, love the other, be devoted to one, and despise the other. And then Matthew 6.19 through 20, um, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, store them up in heaven. All these different things, money, um, sex, porn, um, drinking, cussing, all these different things that seem cool in the short term, and granted, they are. The, the society puts on these um, images that if you cuss and if you drink, you're going to be the cool kid, and that seems to satisfy, and for a while it does. Um, but at the end of the day, you're going to end up with Tom Brady, three Super Bowl rings, $60 million, and a supermodel going, there's got to be something more than this. There's so much more. And that's so true because we're created for so much more than just to have a bunch of money and three Super Bowl rings. Um, so, so what? When we leave, walk out the door, um, leaving Gold Rush, what do we do um, with this? Where, where are we supposed to go when we leave the doors and have to go back to the real world when we're not um, in worship sessions every morning and night and hearing awesome speakers like David Rhodes? So, like, so what? What's our application when we leave here? The Christian life, like that middle video said, isn't about behavior modification. It's not about dressing up your outside you got to be honest with yourself. I mean, we're all guys. We're all going to struggle with sex, porn, all this different stuff. That's, that's just going to be an issue. That's part of life. Um, but we want to nip that in the bud now because temptations never go away, but they do change forms. Like, um, I know when I was preparing for this talk, I was talking to a bunch of the adult leaders, adult guys, and I was like, so once you get married, it's so much easier, right? Like, you don't have to deal with sex and porn and stuff. And they're like, absolutely not. It's twice as hard once you're married because now you've got that accountability of a wife and um, it's, it's just as hard even though you've had sex with a woman and all these different things. So we really want to nip these things in the bud now. But it's more importantly than that, it's about this spiritual growth and this personal relationship with Christ. If there's nothing else you take from today, ready, here you go. There's nothing more important than your relationship with Christ. As you walk out these doors, if you don't take anything else about temptations, how to deal with them, what it looks like to be a Christian guy, Take care of yourself spiritually because the rest will eventually take care of itself. All the temptation stuff, those can take care of themselves. Um, but take care of yourself spiritually. Also, another thing, get in a solid community. If you're hanging out with kids who drink and smoke all the time and you struggle with drinking and smoking, you're making it kind of hard on yourself to get out of that. And if you're serious about your faith, you need to um, have that accountability of hanging out with people. And I'm not saying you can't ever hang out with people who drink and smoke. That's fine. I've got friends who drink and smoke and play baseball with them, hang out with them sometimes. But that's not who I spend my majority of the time with because I don't want to get caught up in the same temptations as them. So A, take care of yourself spiritually. B, get in a community. Um, and that's sort of where I'll leave you. So I challenge you with this. When you are 30, do you want to be rich and have a hot wife and be wishing for something more? Or do you want to be, um, there's three options here. A, rich, hot wife. B, be like the safe inside the box Christian which is boring. I'm sorry, it just is. I said it in church. Um, or do you want to be like a, a fierce warrior for Christ that stands up in the face of temptation, regardless of if it'll make me so much cooler, um, and stands up in the face of adversity and stands up for what they believe in? So as you leave the door, you can make your decision. So let me pray for us, and then we'll chill in here for a little bit, listen to some sweet beats. All right. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, God. I thank you for um, this time that we have to just come and learn um, more about you. I pray that anything that was from me, they would forget, God, but stuff that was from you, I pray that you would impress upon their hearts and convict us all um, to be changed. And um, please work through us as we go to missions or all that stuff. Keep us safe today and help us come back uh, ready to worship tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
You've been listening to the Watershed Podcast. Perimeter Church is located at 9500 Medlock Bridge Road in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit our website at watershedministry.org for more information. Thank you.